interested in starting your own podcast? Audioboom can help with our $9.99 monthly subscription plan for hosting and distribution. You'll get 200 minutes of recording time per episode, a branded homepage on the Audioboom platform, embeddable players for web and social media, advanced analytics, and so much more. To sign up for your $9.99 monthly subscription plan, go to audioboom.com start. That's A-U-D-I-O-B-O-O-M dot com slash S-T-A-R-T. This is the MLW Radio Network. Hello, everybody, and welcome once again to Primetime with Hacksaw Jim Duggan and me, Sean Mooney. And uh, Jim, fortunately, the week has passed where I haven't actually been able to, uh, you know, I've been able to stay in Arizona. I haven't uh, had to travel to cover some unfortunate news events somewhere in the country. But I know you, uh, you're usually on the road every week. This was no exception. And I know it was a great one for you this week because you got to catch up with a few of your old pals. Tell us about your week, Jim. <laughs> Well, you're you're a great barometer, Sean, of how things are going in the country. If you're home, yeah, things right. are nice, nice yeah. and slow. There's no yeah. national disasters or some yeah. other kind of disaster. And if I'm not doing this from a car somewhere in a hot spot on a phone, yeah. <laughs> or yeah, I know you went to a restaurant. I it wasn't a nightclub. I know the other night there. So. <laughs> God, I was hoping you think well, I was. Sean, wait Jim. a minute, wait a minute, bro. You know what I gotta do, baby. Keep going. You know, hacksaw fired up. But yeah, what what a great weekend uh, we had this this past weekend uh went up uh, of course uh, another comic-con which is which is always fun oh yeah those are tremendous events aren't they oh yeah we enjoy them a lot but this one was up in cleveland uh, ohio and of course we went up uh, on uh, friday and jake the snake was up there and wow it was uh in my wedding 30 years ago and you know, was my, Jake and I were, as we talked about him before on, on, on the podcast, we were yeah. best friends for years. And then of course he was on the pipe there for a while when I didn't talk to him for about 11 years, but now it's nice to see him back. He's his old self. And, uh, we were sitting next to a couple of the power ranger guys and flash Gordon and they, you know, halfway through the thing, he says, this is like sitting next to a bunch of sixth graders, you two wrestlers. <laughs> 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 completely knock all my two by fours off my table. I'd go over yeah. and mess all his pictures up. We're photo bombing each other. You know, we we're, we had a lot of fun. And, uh, oh, it, was, it was good to see you know, slippery and uh, see, see that he's doing well. And uh, it's great. I, I enjoy the comic cons. They're so much fun. The fans were so friendly. And uh, I sit next to Jake and I said, I said, Jake, you should probably win the, uh, the costume contest with that old man costume you have on. <laughs> you could take the mask off. <laughs> So we had a lot of give and take and it was, oh, it was a man. Lot. Jim, I wish somebody would have just, you know, I wish they should have just locked down a camera somewhere and just let it roll because I'm sure that was entertainment, uh, that everybody well, we, would have loved we, to watch we, seeing you two acting we, together. We're pretty off the hook there, you know, uh, yeah. so folks have to go to the, uh, uh, Twitter to find them and Facebook, but yeah, we, we did have some fun on camera too. Uh, cause you know, Jake and I, we go, we go way back. At least we get each other's humor. If nobody else gets it, right? We thought yeah. we were funny. Hey, that's all you need though. As long yeah. as, uh, as long as you guys get it. Yeah. We <laughs> right. Time, right. And of course this weekend I'm heading up to uh, Marlboro, Massachusetts, just outside of Boston. And this is a, a, a great big, uh, Comic-Con up there. They're going to have all kinds of, uh, Movie stars, I think, uh, like Lee Majors is there. Uh, Mick Foley's going to be there, so it'll be good to see Mick. I haven't seen him since WrestleMania. 
Now, what right. event is this? Uh, it's a, a Comic-Con up in, it's called the Supercon uh-huh. in Marlboro, Massachusetts, which is about 35, 40 miles, uh, east of Boston, or excuse me, west of Boston. And, uh, so it's a, it's a, it's a big con, uh, I think demolition is going to be there too. So it's like old home week for the boys. We all get to visit and have fun. Wow. Well, I'm glad that you make uh, time for the fans, but I know that you could probably just sit all day and just, uh, you know, go back and forth with these guys like you did with Jake. Uh, moving on though, with J- I want and backing up a little bit, uh, we're, I think we're still on the track here, but, uh, how, how's Jake doing? Uh, and how do, uh, you, you mentioned that, uh, you know, the old man costume, that's uh, something that he likes to wear these days. But as far as, uh, you know, how's he doing? Are you kidding, man? That's when the kids come and they get an 8 by 10 picture from me. They look at the picture, they look at me, they look at the picture, they look at me. <laughs> like, get out is of that here, like, kid, Is it like the woman that shows up on Match? <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> Different than the minute. picture. <laughs> kind of giving yourself away, aren't you, Mooney? How do you know about that? <laughs> I don't do that stuff anymore. But uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, right. Wrestler's <laughs> honor. <laughs> yeah. Happily but married. No, he it, it, he was doing he yeah I know buddy art buddy he was uh yeah it was good to see we had a lot of fun man and of course there was some uh, I don't know if he was an adult porno star or something and of course she kept coming over to the table and she was hanging out of her shirt and stuff and anyway the same guy that took uh, Jake to the airport you know she gave his autograph pictures I mean it's kind of sober you up if I you know what I mean they, they were yeah did you actually crap. bring that home Jim <laughs> well that. Debra was with me, man. She was She knows the deal. But anyway, so Jake, uh, he goes to the airport before I do. When I get home, I, I'm unpacking my bag. I had left my bag in the car. There's all her autographed pictures. <laughs> <laughs> all in my bag. <laughs> so he got he got the last one on the yeah. way out of on the sun. I'm surprised that there weren't a few other items, uh, if you know, <laughs> referencing <laughs> Frenchie Martin. That, we're trying to keep his a family show. Yeah, yeah. But that <laughs> that's course, fantastic. No one's uh, the airport. You don't want to pull a sheiky. <laughs> yeah. uh, I don't imagine Jake brings a, 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 a Damien or anything to these events anymore. Is he done with the snakes? Oh, no. I, I signed a bunch of one-foot two-by-fours, and he has his whole thing of garden snakes he gives out to people. Uh, really? <laughs> no. uh, that's you know what that'd be a great promotion. <laughs> little little cobra. Over him? Are you kidding? Me? Just have a, have a snake. Ah! <laughs> I don't know, Jim. I really think you're onto something. I think that you need to uh, text him on that one. It's just just an idea. I'm just throwing it out there. Gardener snakes. <laughs> well, you know what we're talking. We're, we're thinking about at uh, WrestleMania this year. You know they always have so much stuff going on down at WrestleMania. Jake and I are going to uh, get a ballroom at one of the hotels and do our stand-up shows together uh, down there. So uh, have some fun and uh, hopefully make some money down there at WrestleMania weekend in New Orleans this year. Well, uh, that is a, a date to put on the calendar, folks, and we will, of course, keep you up to date. As we draw closer and closer to that, it's uh, hard when, when we're together. It's harder to tell stories about each other. Can't tell the biggest lies. <laughs> yeah, that, that, right. And, and what did you say that? Uh, what was the description that uh, Jake was hustler and you were? What, what is it that they described? Uh, yeah, well, yeah, Jake was. Yeah, we did the stand up in Nashville years, yeah. a couple years ago. The, the newspaper said Jake was hustler. Duggan was Disney. <laughs> yeah, Disney. But I mean, Jake, I mean, I know he's a tremendous storyteller. If you were on the WWE <laughs> network and they have that story time, I mean, he tells great stories, but is that what he does? Or is he funny when he's on stage? Does he tell well, jokes? He, of- he tells, he tells wrestling stories, but Jake, you know, I mean, we're sitting there, we take, you know, people get group pictures with the two of us and he, 
gives everybody the bird. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. And every pitch he's giving the guy the finger, I'm like slippery, yeah. you know, and people would walk by the like, ah, keep going, you know, and I'm like, Hey, how you doing, buddy? How's it going today? Good to well, see, see you. Like wrestling. That's yeah. But that's your stick. That's his stick. So, you that's know, you wouldn't, stick, you wouldn't yeah. get away with it. No, no, I can't believe he gets away with it. Sometimes <laughs> he, he draws mustaches on the kids with those sharks, you know, I'm like, God, brother, you know, the, when the people get home, they're scraping their kid's face. Trying to get the, the dead Jake Roberts. Yeah, the kid's like, no, no. Go to wear it forever. <laughs> that's that's great. Well, I'm so glad that uh, you know, you two buds got back together again. I know it, it doesn't happen very often, but I, I imagine and that's like they say, Jim, you know, they talk about, you know, who your good friends are, and they're the ones that you may not see them for years. And the second you, you sit next to each other, you see each other, and it's like it was yesterday. And I imagine that's what it's like with you two. I, and I tell you, Sean, you know, and, and uh, we went out and had dinner one night and, and you do can't, can't help but reminisce about how many yeah. of the good friends have passed. And, yeah. yeah, you know, what a toll it's taken on uh, on us, you know, personally, uh, physically. And of course, yeah. Jake, he's he's got two new hips and new knee. I'm like, uh, uh, Jake, I still come in the original packaging. That's right. I, I got all my own body parts. Them all. Yeah. I got a knee coming, but I'm putting it off. No, that's fantastic, uh, folks. I know we got off the track once again, but that's what we imagine that, Sean, <laughs> on prime time with Hacksaw Jim Duggan that and Sean. Be probably the name off the tracks. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's, another, that's another podcast. No, no kidding. Yeah, uh, will sell more. <laughs> yeah. But uh, getting back on here again, though, um, we got a lot of feedback on last week's episode on the most infamous traffic stop in the history of professional wrestling. You know, I wasn't going to let us move on without mentioning it another time, right, Jim? Yeah, I know. You, know, you like to give it to me, Moody. Yeah. I got it. Buddy. Yeah, but I'm, I'm telling you. Yeah, yeah, but it was the kind of the real story. Once and finally, you got it all out there. And we must have covered it well, Jim, because we didn't get a lot of questions afterwards. But I'll tell you what we did get is a lot of people that not only really enjoyed it, but so many comments, Jim, of how much they appreciated, you know, how open you were and uh, really just putting it all out there and with your candor on, on the, well, you know, exactly what happened and how it impacted you. It's, it's almost been therapy for me, Sean. I tell you, you know, people, you know, I held it in for years and wouldn't dare talk about it. And, you know, now it's not like people, it's a big, huge elephant in the room. People know about it. So, you know, once I started to, to realize that and just started sharing the whole story, it, I don't know if it made it easier, made it more acceptable, I guess, to me. Yeah. But I hope that our listeners will spread the word because, you know, this story has been out there for decades. And as you even mentioned, how much misinformation was out there. I wasn't arrested for drunk driving. Right. right. No, there wasn't a DUI. You were, you were uh, basically, uh, uh, I should say, cited for having an open container. Uh, back then, they really didn't do the breathalyzer. You didn't wear breathalyzer. You didn't do walk a line. So, you know, it was a great opportunity to really straighten out some of the information that had just been out there. And I, as I was going to say to our listeners out there, if anybody wants to really know the whole story, uh, start to finish on that. I tell them it's, uh, you know, episode 17 of prime time with Hacksaw, Jim Duggan and Sean Mooney, uh, Hacksaw and the iron Sheik, And that that's all you will really need to know because we covered, covered it all. And, uh, but <laughs> It, it didn't bother me at all, Sean. You dredging yeah. up probably the darkest part of my <laughs> life and career. No, not at all. Thanks, buddy. <laughs> but uh, you're welcome for the therapy, and I know that I've helped you. Move <laughs> yeah, that's, yeah, that's, that's, there we go. 
that's a good wrestler way. Turn it around. Yeah, thanks for the therapy. Yeah. <laughs> See, I know how to work. I know how to work this. Yeah, you've been in the business, brother. Yeah, you yeah. ain't kidding. You never lose it, like uh, riding a bike. Yeah. But you fall down with it still, though. What were we uh, okay. talking about at the beginning of all this? <laughs> yes. Off the tracks. Yeah, well, as that's uh, but that's the best part. I love that part, and it's going to happen. You know what? I'm telling you right now, you're listening. It's going to happen probably several times uh, <laughs> as we continue on today, as we get to our main event. No, and, you're going to uh, happen again. Wrestler's honor. Yeah, uh, <clears throat> okay. Oxymoron there. Did you call me? <laughs> <laughs> Was that Rex Tillerson? No, we're not getting it involved. No, wow. No, I didn't. I didn't go there, and if people know oh, who, don't uh, get no, political, man. We said something about Neil and Down, man. I got. Oh butch. no, kidding. Okay, but that was that was just uh, a reference. Don't no kneel down during the anthem. Yes. <laughs> All right, that's another I mean, email. I'm oh. not sorry. All right, okay. let, let's well, let's get on to the main event. About anyway, Mooney. Whatever well, we're I'm, supposed to talk about, I got an idea. We're going to get to the main event now that uh, we've wanted to do for a while uh, with the with the podcast. The ding, ding, ding. It was the main event, buddy. Give oh, yeah. Me. I got my dwell here still. Oh, that was a bad <laughs> <thing. Dingle. laughs> There we go. Ah, like the main event. Bowl, we need Howard brother. Finkel. <laughs> yeah, that sounds like a candy bowl. With Hulk a bunch Hogan. Of that was pretty good, uh, Howard Finkel, wasn't it? Kind <laughs> yeah, of? Howard, yeah, Howard uh, did a hell of a job announcing in the ring, huh? Uh, he, yeah. To me, he is the one and only. Uh, yeah, I know there's been other announcers, and I love Justin Roberts. I'm good friends with him. But, uh, yeah, Justin, good guy. I like him. Yeah. He wrote yeah. a nice book, too. Yes, he did, and it's out there. Uh, well, you know, so. It's an interesting take on, on the business uh, as we side off the tracks here again. But, yeah, <laughs> it, it is. It's a, it's a, it's a good read. Um, but to me, uh, Howard was, was the announcer and I, I worked very closely with him in the event center, but, um, onto the main event. Let's talk about Hogan. Yes. It was kind of the, the center, the focus of really that period of time that I was there for most of it, uh, was the phenomenon known as Hulkamania and, uh, God, how it affected, uh, not just the WWF, but the entire, uh, professional wrestling world. Uh, I mean, absolutely. There's no question about that. Yeah. And, uh, uh, I mean, you know, everybody's got an opinion about the, the best ever and anything, but in my book, uh, Hogan is the pinnacle of professional wrestling. That second uh, tier of, you know, maybe Ric Flair and the rock and guys like that. And the third tier of, uh, uh stone cold and uh, Jake and that group. But I tell you, I, I think Hogan is, uh, uh head and shoulders, uh, the, the marquee guy of all of professional wrestling. Uh, he, he's the one that took it mainstream. Uh, like him or hate the guy. I mean, uh, say your prayers, take your vitamins. Hogan's yeah. Hogan. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, and you mentioned that. And to me, it, it's it's reminiscent of other professional sports where you have you know professional baseball players that uh, look at people that uh, really set the stage that uh, these guys stand on their shoulders today. And Hulk Hogan is definitely that guy to me in professional wrestling. And as you know, I, as always, I love to, I do the, the, my homework on this stuff. And I know there's a lot of information here. You may have already heard, but I like to set the stage, uh, to give you the, uh, the, the backstories and, uh, and all the uh, other information. And, uh, Terry Jean Belia was uh, born August 11th, 1953. And he's of course better known by his ring name as we know him, uh, Hulk Hogan. Uh, his, uh, Father was Pietro or Peter Belia, and uh, he was a uh, 
a construction foreman and his his mom uh, was a homemaker and dance teacher his mom uh, Ruth and uh, he grew up they moved to, to Port Tampa Florida so you know he he obviously just loved Florida he spent uh, his life really <laughs> living there besides uh, traveling the world and uh, I don't know if you do this Jim but he was uh, said to be a pretty good baseball pitcher Um I don't know how long he pitched, and there's you know legend out there that he was actually scouted by professional teams. But you could imagine that he, he you see him that he had to be a pretty good athlete back then. But uh, one of his biggest love was music, and he, music, yeah, yeah. Remember uh, playing the guitar and uh, played the fretless uh, bass, and uh, you know growing up played in a bunch of bands, uh, started uh, formed and played in bands all over Tampa. And um, apparently, the 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 way it went is that he was playing in a in a, I believe a a bar there called Ruckus or a band called Ruckus, and the Briscoe brothers saw him there, and here he was, you know, he's already six seven, uh, he didn't weigh what he did uh, at his peak, but you could imagine they looked at him uh, and being from where they came from, uh, Jack and Gerald Briscoe said, "Man, I I think that this guy might have something to him." And they approached him, and um, it took a while, but uh, soon after that, though, uh, once they did convince him that they got him in a gym and started having him train with uh, Hiro Matsuda. Do you did you ever hear that name? Oh yeah, uh, of he's, course. He's a great, a great uh, trainer of uh, uh, many professional wrestlers down there in the Tampa area, I yeah, believe. Right? right. Yeah. With, yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I guess. and of course, yeah, I didn't know that's how the how Hogan got into the business. I didn't know the Briscoes found him, but yeah, he is he's much bigger than folks think he is. You know, he said he's six seven. He's legit six seven, and uh, you know, he's one of the most recognizable people ever. I mean, I've walked through the airport with Sheen and guys like that, and you know, people as they go by might know him. But when Hogan goes through the airport, it's like yeah. it's Hulk Hogan. Yeah, it's Hulk Hogan. Yeah, and, uh, and not know. just from that presence. There's just there's that aura of uh, you know the way with uh, you know who he is. That's, I remember one time I was at an airport in Atlanta and I saw Muhammad Ali. Uh, you're driving down. You, I, I could just see somebody in a golf cart, and all these people were just looking at him like, ah, you know. I mean, going. And I was like, what? And it was Muhammad Ali. So I understand that when somebody is that famous, famous uh, it, they, it's, I mean, it, it comes like it, with a wave. Yeah, much more yeah. recognizable than Ali. Ali, you know, I mean is a good sized guy, but Hogan, you know, six, seven with that handlebar mustache. He has a do rag on a lot of times on airplanes. I never seen it before. I've, I've been with Hulkster and I get along with the big guy. He gets more bad press than anybody I know, but I've known him from 30 plus years. He's, he's wow. been a stand up guy at the times I've known him, but uh, I've been on planes with him where they, you know, when they pull up to the gate, instead of him getting off and going down the jetway, they take him down, they put him in a car and drive him to the other gate in a car uh, over across the uh, taxiways instead of, even, yeah. instead of even taking him through the uh, airport on a golf cart. He causes so much trouble. Wow. I yeah. always joke, people are excited to see me. They're like, hey, there's Axel. Hey, hey. And the Hulkster's behind me. They pie face me. Get out of the way. Get out of the way. Get the hell out of the way. Well, he actually he actually started uh, wrestling in in uh, in 1977, and with a group. This was, I think, that the Briscoe brothers were connected to Championship Wrestling from Florida, CWF. I don't know if you ever heard of that organization, uh, Jim. But for me, yeah, yeah. And um, now a lot of people know that that uh, 
Brutus the Barber Beefcake is a is a close friend of of Hulk Hogan's. But I don't know if people realize just how close and how long they had known each other. Because right when he had started wrestling, they had already they were already friends. And Ed Leslie, who's we know as Brutus Beefcake, uh, he came to Cocoa Beach where uh, Hogan was running a gym there. Uh, I guess that with a uh, there and he teamed up with them and they started, you know, uh, I'm going to just call him Brutus. I'm not going to call him uh, Ed Leslie. So it's, you know, Brutus was already working out and had a pretty good build. And that's what got uh, apparently Hogan, uh, getting the Hulkster going. And, and, uh, they started to team up and became a tag team and they called themselves the Boulder brothers. <laughs> wow. Well, that's yeah. Sure. So yeah. it was Terry and Ed Boulder were the names that they went by. And uh, they went to Alabama, where um, they uh, started really to get some uh, notice. And uh, not long after that, when the NWA took notice of them with uh, Jarrett, you know, Jerry Jarrett saw them and offered them, I believe, like $800 a week to come and work for them. And I don't think they were making much at all at the before that. So uh, I imagine that was a pretty big jump. But uh, I never knew that that's where he really started in the ring and that he was already with with Brutus Beefcake. I, I knew that, you know, we remember early on that uh, Brutus was around uh, just kind of hanging out with him before he really got into the WWF. Did uh, did you know that they those two go that far back, Jim? I had heard that they were friends before they got into wrestling, but I didn't know the whole story at all. And, you know, Hogan got a lot of heat over the years for taking care of Beefer, you know, uh, yeah. Everybody was said, you know, he was. Yeah, yeah, none of that goes on in wrestling at all, does it? <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I look at it the other way. I said, I, I wish I was in a position where I could help my good friend. You know, yeah. I well, mean, it's yeah, cool and I'm sure along the way, Jim, you did, when you could, you you well, help people. The, the little, yeah. Are you kidding? I give the guy a good word. It's like the death knoll. <laughs> Duggan <laughs> likes him. Forget it. <laughs> He's out of here. Yeah. But, but uh, that's kind of yeah, how it works, though. I mean, a lot of it, like you've mentioned on many occasions during these uh, podcasts about how, you know, someone would tell you and they would, uh, there's, you ought to come down to this territory and they, they would put in a word for you. And that's how you got in in some cases, yeah, right? Exactly. I mean, just the way it works. Yeah. But uh, Hogan took it to a different level. I mean, oh, yeah. Like Ma you know, Macho did with Lanny down in WCW. I mean, they had so much clout, they could kind of bring somebody else in and keep them on the card and keep them. And Beefer was a good talent on his own. I mean, that, that, that was a great gimmick. You know, Brutus the Barber Beefcake cutting the people's hair, strutting and cutting. And plus, he looked the gimmick. He was he was in great shape. And of course, he was with Hogan when he had the horrible uh, parasail accident down there that almost yeah, killed Beefcake. We'll talk about that. Yeah, that was, uh, that was something. Uh, but going back to here are these beginnings that, um, you know, they were with... Uh, uh, this this group and um, Hogan got in touch with uh, superstar Billy Graham, which you could you can see similarities and you know that uh, Jesse was obviously a big fan of of uh, Billy Graham, but uh, I didn't realize that 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 uh, that Hulkster had a connection to superstar Billy Graham and he uh, was able to you know get him really started back then and you know he, he probably picked up a few things not just for wrestling wise but uh you know strutting and cutting with that uh, uh right. from, from well, the superstar the, i mean yeah he, he he was doing the gimmick before hulkster really you know he had the body and the whole the posing and stuff and, yeah. 
you know, the, uh, the the longer trunks and everything. And I think uh, yeah, I could see that to get along. That you know, was a, a good pairing with Hogan and, and Superstar. Yeah. Well, in uh, in May of '79, um, uh, Hulk had an early shot with the NWA uh, World Heavyweight Championship. They brought in because Jarrett had noticed uh, him, and uh, actually, you know, went up against Harley Race and won his first uh, professional wrestling championship, uh, the NWA Southeastern Heavyweight Championship. Um, I, I, you know, I, I always wonder with some of these people what people saw in the beginning to me, that's fascinating that, you know, because you see a uh, story, you, you hear stories about, you know, Steve Austin and, you know, the WCW actually fired the guy basically, you know? Uh, and I always, I don't always think I beat the hair off his head, but that's another that's story. True. And we know who, who's responsible for that. Uh, anyway, should, go ahead. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> you should thank you. But, uh, but I, I, I wonder back then, did, did they really see at this point, you know, that this guy is going to be something, I mean, not only just the presence that he had, but I would have loved to, uh, and I know that you, uh, when he did get to, uh, the WWF or it might even been the WWWF then WF, yeah. that you did uh, some enhancement matches. And I know there's one, somebody sent us one. I don't know if you saw it, Jim, but it was, one. I think it was at the garden with you and, uh, Hulk Hogan. Oh really? I know I didn't yeah, see it. Yeah, was it I got to send gym? that link to you. Yeah, yeah, it was a big Jim Duggan. Right, and he had the big. Uh, yeah, Terry had the big robe, uh, the big you know the floor length gold robe. Wow, man, I would like to see that. Yeah, I know. Yeah, they you know, obviously I was a young guy learning the business, and they jobbed me out up there at the WWWF. You know, Hogan, uh, Patera, Slaughter, uh, Angelo Mosca. That was, my, but that was my deal to go up there and do jobs and. You know, doing jobs for Hulk Hogan, uh, obviously he didn't have the stature, uh, you know, that uh, he had now or had since. You know, yeah. Bruno was still around and Zabisco, there was other big stars there. But you could definitely tell uh, Hogan was on the fast track. And they gave him the ball and he was carrying it too. It's not like some people, we hear Roman Reigns' name a lot, that they're trying to push too hard. You know, they right. were trying to push Hogan. He took the ball and ran with it. Well, and, you know, I want to uh, talk about that, but do you remember, and this had to be probably uh, 79, 80, Jim, do you, do you think that when that match took place because he yeah. was there and then uh, then he was off to Japan, but uh, you said that, you, you mentioned uh, that you saw that this guy was going to be something because, you know, you watched the match and it was, uh, you know, as far as, I'm not saying it was a bad match in any sense, but I'm saying that you didn't have that, uh, he wasn't doing the, you know, going around inciting the crowd, he hadn't really uh, found that uh, that uh, that ability to uh, have the crowd react to him. But you saw something. Would you say that? I mean, that when you were well, I, I was just trying to said. find myself. You think you didn't have the crowd doing nothing? <laughs> you know, I I sure as hell didn't have them doing anything at all. But saying boo, uh, I mean, yeah, that in the beginning. But but still, I mean, not only his stature because you know he's such a big guy and. Uh, and a bunch of big men he stands out yeah. but also oh, yeah. his ring his ring presence i mean you can just kind of tell that the, the guy wasn't going to be a flash in the pan he was going to be around for a while yeah and um this is the, another thing when you see like you know how they develop characters and this is when uh you know vince senior was still running the company right. 
And he was obviously, you know, he'd been around and he definitely saw something in um, Hulk Hogan or who was Terry Balea, uh, as everyone knew him at that point, or one of the Boulder brothers. <laughs> I don't know. But um, he wanted him to use an Irish name. Uh, and instead of Balea, he had him uh, use the word Hogan. He had the, the name Hogan. So I, I I wasn't aware of that either. I didn't know that that uh, that it was Vince Senior who came That's up with that and wanted that him to dye his hair red. Apparently, uh, but, but I don't no, think. Well, I think it, yeah, least, that just didn't seem. At to least work. the ends of his hair. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> what was there? Even then, right? But you know, to see this is an educational show too. I didn't uh, I didn't realize that neither. I didn't know uh, that's where he beca- got got the Hogan gimmick. Yeah, That's well, you know, you always have to question what you find on uh, Wikipedia and these places. So I always uh, check a bunch of sites just to. Well, I would uh, say uh, if yeah. Mooney says it, uh, something about it, wrestling, I'd go ahead and bang uh, out. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. I am the, I am the historian. <laughs> yes, uh, exactly. So, but it's a great story anyway. And, uh, you know, he says he'll be blonde Irish. I don't know, uh, you know, being Irish, I haven't seen too many of us that are blonde Irish, but okay. Uh, but, uh, at that time, uh, Bob Backlund was, was the big guy. Right. And, um, I, you know, that's, that's, uh, considering where I, when I came in, uh, that is amazing to me that, and not, and please, I'm not saying that he wasn't, uh, you know, the superstar that he was, whatever, but it, it just shows you the level that Hulk Hogan would take that type of ring presence and become that kind of person, you know, personality in the world of professional wrestling. When you look back at there and, and Backlund was huge. He was, and he didn't want to lose the the title to, uh, to Terry. Um, so, uh, when, when, uh, we'll get into that more about, you know, I don't think too many guys are excited about losing the title. Yeah, <laughs> to well, anybody, right? No, no, exactly. I wouldn't but know. I'd never had to drop a title. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. You yeah, did. Uh, you I did pretty it. well. You pre- did pretty damn well, Duggan. Uh, but um, he uh, wrestled uh, Bob Backlund for the WWF uh, Heavyweight Championship. Heavy, they, it was heavyweight then, and uh, I, d- I also started a, a feud that back with Andre the Giant. So they had. You know, it certainly didn't get to the, uh, the the heights that it did later, but that's you know fascinating that they because Andre we know was uh, a very loyal to the McMahons. This was prior to Vince K. This was uh, you know uh, this was uh, even beyond that, and that's why uh, Vince took such great care of Andre the Giant because he was incredibly loyal to, loyal to, to Vince Senior, and. Um, so anyway, that was kind of a short run. That was 79 to 1980. Now, Jim, when I was in Connecticut, and um, I don't know how familiar or how close you got to uh, Freddie Blassie, but when I started working for the WWF in uh, 88, uh, you know, Freddie was really no longer uh, doing, no, certainly no longer in the ring, and he would do occasional manager stuff here and there. But really, he became an ambassador for the WWF. And he lived in uh, Scarsdale, uh, which in New York, which was close to Connecticut. And so uh, he was, uh, you know, around for events. And and I lived in Connecticut, so I would go and do a lot of these charity events. And and Freddie would do a bunch too. And I got to know him really well. We uh, he became a really very close friend of mine. And <laughs> you know, every Christmas he would dress up as Santa, and they'd put him in a helicopter. <laughs> 
And uh, yeah, they, they would fly him in and he would do, go down to the pier in New York and give all these toys away to kids. But he is just, was a fascinating man. I, uh, I, I don't know. Did you ever get to spend any time with Freddie? And we, I know we're going off the rails here, folks, but I'll bring you back on and I'll tell you why. But did you get to spend any time with, with the classy Freddie Blassie? Not a whole lot, uh, Sean, but you know, yeah. when I was going through my uh, kidney cancer, uh, Freddie called me out of the blue. Like I said, I didn't have a whole lot of interaction with him, but he yeah. had had kidney trouble over the years, and yeah. he yeah. called and gave me some words of encouragement. So that's something I always remember. Of course, Freddie Blassie was Freddie Blassie, and you know, for him to make a call like that was uh, meant a lot to me. Yeah, and, and just an incredible legend. I, I don't if uh, you folks out there were ever at a show or uh, got a chance to meet him, uh, I really hope you got to spend a little time with him. Just a, a really great person. And um, we used to go to all these charity events together, and Freddie, uh, th- because of the result of his years of pounding and the, and what, and the bumps he took, I think pretty much every bone and every connected part of his body every joint was fused i mean he really had a tough time moving around and he used to sleep in a lazy boy chair he couldn't lay down in a bed after uh and he was married to uh miyako and she he he met her in japan and that's and she was a very very traditional uh, wife and anyway we used to go to these events and freddie just loved because i was not used to his behavior (laughs) And he would do things like we play in a golf tournament and he would never get out of the cart and swing a club. He would just ride in the cart and just give everybody grief, anybody and throw <laughs> things at him. And, you know, and, and so, you know, at these golf tournaments, they put, uh, you know, longest drive and closest to the hole. And he would right. go up there and he would write my name on all the, you remember they put a little, <laughs> you've been to these tournaments, they would, you know, uh, right. you, it was an honor system. <laughs> it was an honor system. And uh, you were supposed to put your name if you had the longest drive. And he would right, write my yeah. name on all these. So they'd go up to the end, you know, where they'd give out the gifts. And they'd be like, okay, longest drive, Sean Mooney. Hey, all right, with the W. I'm like, what? What? And they go, yeah, here's a golf bag. So I get, you know, and then it'd be like, closest to the hole, Sean Mooney. And like, <laughs> like Freddie, jeez. <laughs> and I would, you know, I to, I'd be giving it back. I'm like, what the heck? Anyway, yeah. so. Uh, I'm sorry I got off the tracks, but I, Freddie was just so much fun, and and people saw him as you know such a heel, and he is a he's a podcast on his own. One day I I I definitely got to do one with uh, on the life of Freddie Blassie. But the reason I wanted to talk about Freddie is because at this point in Hulk's career, um, he was, you know, they were bringing him along, but he did not have nothing. You know, there was nothing near what he would become in his presence in the ring. And he went to Japan and, uh, you know, the, I'm sure you've heard the stories how, you know, over there he was, they called him Ichiban, which was, which means number one. And, but anyway, Freddie would tell me these stories because Freddie went over on a couple of these tours with him because they wanted to, you know, Freddie would talk and do the whole thing. And Freddie had wrestled over there for years and they were scared to death of him, the Japanese people. And, uh, he would, you know, file his teeth and they just could, couldn't get it enough of them well you imagine when they brought this six foot seven behemoth hulk hogan there but as i said he was nowhere near uh, become the person you know as far as being able to work a crowd and that was freddie's job to teach him this and this was kind of a playground for him to learn how to to do this with people i think he learned a great deal over there one of the stories that freddie told me he said they went to a you know they were at the uh, one of these 
arenas and he did a match or whatever. And, uh, Freddie tells him, you know, go, you know, cause they were, he was a heel and they, they had him uh, as a heel over there. And so you got to go over and you threaten the crowd. He goes, grab a chair. And he said, you know, so he says, <laughs> Terry grabs a chair and throws it into the crowd and like takes out two guys <laughs> with the chair. And Freddie's like, I said, grab the chair. I didn't say throw it at him. <laughs> But, uh, yeah, but he said they would walk into, you know, Freddie would walk into malls and he would start riots because people, they would do these appearances and, uh, they, they would, he would start a riot because he'd, you know, go scream at him and run to him or something. And, but he, but the reason that I'm telling this is that Freddie, uh, was, uh, played a big role in that, in, in, uh, helping him come along and, and start to realize what it was like to have these crowds around and how to, how to work them. And, uh, you know, he spent, he would come back and do shows here, but, um, you know, this was, he spent a lot of time over there and, uh, it was where he really started to develop. And that's when they, a lot of guys. Yeah. Well, like Japan, uh, myself personally, I, I've been there probably six or eight times in the five weeks from my longest trip, but I wasn't particularly fond of uh, long tours of Japan. Guys like uh, Hogan, Stan Hansen, uh, Road Warriors, Steve Williams, Terry Gordy. A lot of guys made a career out of Japan. And yeah. Of course, it, it was great. Like I said, you could scare the devil out of those people. Yeah. I'm sure Hogan is six, seven, but especially throwing chairs into the crowd. <laughs> oh, I <laughs> could that's, that's, sure. that's what we call cheap heat in the business. <laughs> Hit the fans with chairs. You might get a little heat. There, <laughs> but Jim, really, I could tell you some stories with Freddie. I mean, I, I mean, just you, you, you'd be on the floor that he, oh my God, that guy knew how to work, work a crowd and he would say anything. To, anybody. Him to go over there with Freddie, you know, I mean, yeah. I'm yeah. sure that, I don't know now, if but now but, you know, but you, you never gave Freddie any credit. Yeah, I, 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 I don't know. I never really heard. I, I, but I know that, uh, you know, and this is all coming from Freddie. Okay. So, yeah, the Hulkster and I were not, it wasn't, uh, you know, we weren't calling each other every night. So, uh, but, uh, I, I, I have to tell you, I just loved hearing the stories and you mentioned, you bring it up, uh, being over there in Japan. Uh, you know, you could say you could scare the devil out of these people, but um, where they uh, people have talked about how they don't react in, in the crowd, like it would seem like a dead house. Uh, what were the crowds like over there? Well, because yeah, they're the, so they, such a reserved people. I, very I, reserved. Well, especially you know me, I go over there, I stomp around the ring, I got my two by four, I got my flag, I stomp around, I get over there, I go to the ropes, I look at everybody, give a big oh, yeah. yeah. Nothing. <laughs> Nothing. <laughs> they just look at me. Next time we try the other side, it's even deader. You know, you do a good move, they clap politely. I mean, it was a you know a, a different type of atmosphere over there. That's for sure. They were a reserve crowd and guys. I mean, people like Brody. He'd be swinging that chain. He'd wade into the crowd. I mean, they'd be there'd be like a riot of people just stampede, yeah. just trying to get away from them. You know. Yeah, but they loved it. Uh, they loved I, I, it. And oh, Stan Hansen would be glaring at people, you know. It'd be nothing but a lawsuit in America. The Japanese yeah. are like, hey. <laughs> Lawyers waiting outside the building. Dewey Dickman Howe. Yes. I'm with Dewey Dickman Howe. Here you go. There's my card. Just make sure. <laughs> you, right? But 
You never want to clothesline any of the guys missing fingers over there, you know. <laughs> no. That's, that's a sign of the mob, you know. They messed yeah, up with yeah. the mob. They chop off their fingers. You see a lot of fingerless cats at the show. <laughs> Wrestling yeah. fan, no thumbs up. <laughs> yeah. yeah, we're going out. Nope, that's it's okay. Nub up. <laughs> <laughs> Did he flip you me? Did he just flip me off? No, he can't. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So, so anyway, uh, but, but I have to imagine it's, it's a pretty good, uh, stage. It's uh, for, a, a oh, good it's great. I mean, to, yeah, the you know. Tokyo dome and, you know, 60, yeah. 70,000 people jammed wow. in Tokyo. Yeah. And, but of course, also you do this, you know, Japan is a much bigger country than folks think. And they're all different islands and yeah. it's plane trains and automobiles and ferries. I mean, you have to take all kinds of modes of transportation from one island to another. Sometimes you're on these big ocean going ferries for 10 hours, you know, and the waves are coming. It's uh, and, and you're, you know, you're glad to see a McDonald's when you're in a small town. You're like, thank God a McDonald's. <laughs> give, give me the McSquid. seven Big Macs. <laughs> yeah. No, you get the McSquid. It's delicious. Yeah. But I think that, uh, that Terry really, uh, enjoyed being over there. Uh, and he yeah, was, he was huge. It. And I think, you know, I even thought that he, I, 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 you know, uh, that he had met somebody there or something and had, a, you know, but really had given thought to maybe staying over there and making a career over there. And right. yeah. So uh, obviously it was, uh, and I, I, I would think lucrative. I think we talked about that before. The guys that do make careers over there, uh, you know, Brody, Stan Hansen, uh, Dr. Yeah. Destiny, it's hard to get booked over here after you spend most of your time in Japan because people aren't, don't see you over here. They don't get exposed to you over here. And uh, so it's when you come back, you know, even just trying to get back on the, with the company or back doing indie, indie shows, you know, you're a big star in Japan, but uh, people don't know you over here. Wow. And that that's interesting. It's kind of like baseball, you know, baseball players would go over and play in Japan and try and come back and, uh, yeah. Get the yeah. bigs here. Uh, that, that's really, but they, they paid well in Japan. I mean, it was, you know, they, they, they that was the deal. They'd pay you very good, but boy, and they put you up, right. Didn't they, didn't they bill at you? They, Oh yeah. You stayed yeah. nice. Like Keo Plaza hotel. Yeah. I mean, in downtown Tokyo, and it, it was kind of, you know, new Japan, all Japan, the two main companies back there, and Antonio Inoki and Giant Baba were the bosses. And it wasn't the WWF type level, but still, there'd be people at all the hotels. And we travel by buses most of the time, and they have the buses all painted up New Japan Pro Wrestling. So, you know, the fans would always follow the buses and stuff. Wow. And, uh, you know, they had, it was a nice way to travel. They had all the different kinds of beer and stuff on the bus, and they had movies and. Know, VCRs and stuff. So a lot of guys enjoyed it, but uh, it, it just wasn't for me. Yeah, but I was or just not to make a career out of it. Yeah, and I was gonna. Yeah, I wanted to bring that up. That um, how would you compare that to uh, when the WWF started getting to that level? And I know it's a foreign country. There's probably you know there's drawbacks between just the yeah, culture and the language. But was it on that that same level as far as uh, being so popular with the people? There. It was very it that big. Sumo wrestling is their number one sport uh, over there, and of course, that's yeah. totally different than us. But you know, wrestling's a, a strong number two, and uh, so. Uh, but yeah, nothing was like the WWE when we first started going overseas to like Europe. I mean, it was you know not Beatlemania, but it was close. There was 
hundreds of people at the airport and at the hotel and motorcycle escorts for the buses and, you know, just a lot of security at the hotel. Because uh, I think the buildup of the WWF finally coming to Europe was so because that was totally new for him. And I, I'm, I'm sure the reception is is good. Even when I was with WWE, the reception was great over in uh, the UK and the rest of Europe. Did but, they uh, did they have the same? Uh, was television as big? I mean, they did the same type things that they did here in America. Yeah, oh shit! Yeah. I, I know. I I did one of the morning talk shows over there in England, and before the show, you know, I'm sitting back in the green room, visiting with the folks and talking nice, you know. And we get on the set, and they're like, the camera comes on. I give them hacks, and I kick over the table and knock over. <laughs> they're standing back, looking at me like, "Where the hell did this guy come from?" You know? Did you throw a chair? Oh yeah. Well, if you're going to be a wrestler, be a wrestler, Moody. That's right. Somebody throw a chair. Ball. Give them what they want. So I, I give them hacksaw, man. You know, I'm standing there yelling and screaming. And people are scattering because a lot of folks don't, you know, they, especially media people, as you know, you interview all kinds of folks. Sometimes you, you don't even run across folks that don't, have no clue about wrestling. Yeah. You know, and they interview music people or whatever. So they're, they're a little surprised when you give them the character. <laughs> when you wreck the set. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Other words, they're gonna change their paintings, you know. <laughs> and then as soon as you're gone, they're like, "Make sure you book him again." Yeah. And when you get done, you have the camera goes off, that red light goes off. You go, ah! "Hey, thanks very much. Appreciate the show." Yes. Yeah. How's the family? Okay. I'll have here. We'll do coffee. Yeah. <laughs> That's really funny, uh, but it is it, true, and I can understand why. Uh, and you could imagine that 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 was probably the first taste that. Uh, Terry Balea had at uh, that massive fame uh, and the effect he had on human beings when he was over there, because I don't think they call everybody Ichiban. There's only one, Jim, only one Ichiban. Yeah. Well, Hogan's Hogan. I've, I've, and then and I'm sure we're going to cover that later on in the show, yeah. which we we'll stay on the tracks a little bit yes. about him not as, still being as we, uh, fame. as we get back Hogan. on. But, but the, uh, as we, get back on here with this. Uh, but the way that this was able to happen, and it's like territories where you trade a uh, talent, they did the same thing. Uh, WWF or WWF had an agreement with uh, NJPW, New Japan Pro Wrestling, to exchange talent, right? Um, right? Is that, isn't that that the way it worked? I don't know. Well, I don't that, remember them bringing a lot of guys yeah. over here. Because that's that, that's what I was saying when I was first broken, I was over working for my V in Hawaii as the convict. Right. That's yeah. when I got to wrestle with the Samoans and Andre because they would be coming back from Japan and would stop and do a show for Peter, and I'd get the chance to get beat up by him. <laughs> so, so did they um, – was it also a place to develop? You know, you'd send them out of the United States and let them uh, cut their teeth. Yeah, I think really yeah. It, it just sees you. I mean, yeah. uh, you know, the more places you go, the more different kinds of folks you're in front of, the better, you know – better it is for you so yeah going to uh, another country and plus it's a, th- a thrill for i remember my first trip to yeah obviously your first trip to japan i was a young guy still doing the uh why well, that's where i started wearing the fur and i was doing the wild man dugging thing but yeah. uh yeah that was uh, that was huge flying to japan man a foreign country like that that was extremely exciting for for a young guy so uh, for whatever reason uh Terry ends back up in the in the United States, and he's still with the WWF. 
And this is about the time that he got the offer. This was 1981, where he got the offer for the Rocky Three appearance as Thunderlips. And a lot of people say, oh, I don't know, it wasn't that early. Well, the movie came out later, but uh, uh, Hulk Hogan and Terry mentions that, that no, they the shot that scene. Rocky, wasn't it? Wasn't that the original? No, it was Rocky. It was, it was Rocky Three. Okay, was, I'll, I'll take your word for it, Mooney. Yeah. Well, remember the first one was just Adrian, you know, it was, uh, that was that. Yeah, story. you're right. Yeah. You got me, buddy. You're so, right. um, anyway, uh, apparently Don't question Vince, Mooney. <laughs> Vince senior, uh, wasn't happy with him doing this. No, which it doesn't, is, especially uh, surprising. Why? Yeah. Why not? He didn't like the guys making the move to Hollywood as even Vince jr. Didn't really at first like the guys starting to do the Hollywood deal. Cause they thought they're going to lose their talent, you know. I mean, I'm sure Vince wishes Rock didn't turn into a movie star and was still wrestling, you know. Yeah, I but don't you was, think that that's enhanced? I mean, what these uh, I think yeah, that enhances them, but that yeah. cuts down on the amount of time they're going to come on the show. You know, obviously the Rock ain't going to show up for many uh, shows in Minot, North Dakota. You know, <laughs> so you yeah you want to I think then that's always been part of the deal of whether the pay is a little bit low because they want to keep the guys, you know, dependent on the company. You know, I don't know if that's true or not, but that's one of the trains of thought. And yeah. Be, so, uh, but back then, back the then plate. though, and I, I'm sure that you had other opportunities. There were times when you were asked to do things. Was that really frowned on to go, um, and do something that was say television related, you know, guest, guest appearance on a, a TV yeah. show or a movie. They, they, Frowned on that? Uh, I nobody ever <laughs> came at the check to me to do a movie uh, without going through WWE. Anything like I did that yeah. during the Henderson's TV show, a bunch of, like Nickelodeon stuff, uh, other special appearances. But that was always gone through the company. They they really frowned on guys getting their own agent and and doing their own deal. Where nowadays the young kids is a whole big contingent of guys that live out in California that are looking for that movie break uh, that are yeah. doing the Batista deal where it's, this is just a stepping stone on the movie. So I think Batista was kind of like the ultimate warrior where he didn't really love the business, but it mm -hmm. was just a vehicle him for him to move on. Yeah. And he's, he's done pretty well. He does a great <laughs> job. Yeah, he's got a nice that. franchise going. Uh, but getting back on the tracks once again, um, this for whatever <laughs> happened there, yeah. <laughs> whatever happened there with uh, Vince Senior, or uh, there was a parting of the ways that uh, Terry ended up in the AWA, uh, where he started as a villain, and apparently Luscious Johnny Valiant was his manager. Uh, that's kind of amazing, but it, that didn't last long. I mean, because I, I think it was early on people realized this guy wasn't really uh, meant to be a heel uh, and was over. And they had to, you know, they had to turn him. I think he it wasn't, yeah, I don't think it was much the, choice. That's again what we were talking about, where they didn't force him. The people turned him. Right. You know? Yeah. They didn't yeah. turn him baby face. The fans turned him baby face. And it's like trying to push somebody too hard. If it's not there, it's not there. You know, Hogan's not going to be a heel. Hacksaw, I'm not going to be a heel. No matter yeah. how hard you try, it's, it's, uh, and the fans, that's what they wanted and give them what they want, you know, don't fight city hall. Yeah. And, and so, uh, there was, that was really the beginning where it really, he started to the, you know, the, the appearance in the movie, 
was really uh, got him a lot of attention. And I, uh, I don't know if that's when Vince Jr. Uh, you know, saw him, but he, he had his eyes on uh, who would become, we know, Hulk Hogan, uh, the Hulkster, uh, early on. And, and when he took over the company in 1982. Now, you, I don't know if you remember Steve Taylor. You remember Steve Taylor? He, he did a yeah, lot of things yeah. with the WWF. He started yeah, out as a, really as a photographer. Right. Right, yeah, yeah. But he ended up becoming part of the management team there. But when I was there... He was uh, the photographer. He took all of our pictures right. and uh-huh. came to all the, uh, you know, did a lot of things. Great guy. And um, I remember him telling the story when all this was going on that uh, somehow he ended up at uh, one of these events and was like a slipping a note to, uh, you know, Terry with from Vince. Basically, it was like this under, you know, uh, 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 what do you call it? A, a, a undercover <laughs> mission. Right. Yeah, yeah, to to content. It wasn't like we had the cell phones then or anything like that. But I remember I thought that was so intriguing. You know, there was like these clandestine, you know, uh, <laughs> things going on. Uh, but one way or the other, it worked. And uh, soon stealing after, stealing talent, right? That be stealing talent, right? Yeah. You, you go well, and ask him. You know, well, obviously, no. I mean, business is business, and McMahon saw. You know, that if you want a marquee talent, I, I think Hulk Hogan would be your guy just looking yeah. through the roster. And I don't I don't know if any if people really know that this was his, a return to the WWF uh, after uh, working for Vince Sr. Um, and going and stepping into the ring with uh, Hacksaw Jim Duggan, who wasn't Hacksaw at the time, uh, <laughs> big Jim Duggan. But uh, I don't know, you know, I... Uh, I, I I really didn't know about that part either that, uh, that he had spent the time and then left. But, uh, this was really the beginning in 80 in 82. Yeah. I didn't know that was the reason he left was the the movie, but I knew he was with Ganya there for a while and get a little more seasoning too. I mean, uh, you know, that's the deal. The WWF is the big stage. So it's good to, to have a little ring time under your belt before you get up there. Yeah, and you talk about a fast track here, Jim. Um, he made his debut on television in St. Louis on December 27th, defeating Bill Dixon on January 23rd. <laughs> That's even a month later. Hogan won his first WWF World Heavyweight Championship, uh, pinning the Iron Sheik. And guess who was in the Sheik's corner? Freddie Blassie. Oh, oh, okay. Freddie Blassie, yeah. Well, the man who taught him how to throw a chair. And, uh, you know, the, I think they wanted to move things along here. You think? Yeah. No <laughs> kid. Well, the t-shirt. You I think mean, Mooney? Yeah. yeah uh, but you know, that the, they could see it. I think, I think Hogan came in and, and he was a guy, he was just, you know, stealing the show no matter what match he was on. If he was the third match of the, the, of the show. People were talking about that third match. Yeah. Think, uh, yeah. They just were. We're going along with the folks and make him main event, make him world champion, make him the marquee guy for the WWF. Yeah. Well, I want to take you back now, Jim. And I know you were down south when this was all happening, but what were you hearing? And it wasn't like we had, you know, the internet we have now or people on their cell phones or anything like that. But it was starting to happen. And we're talking, this is 83. What were you hearing about uh, Hulk Hogan and what was happening in the WWF at the time? 
Well, you know, uh, we knew who he was, but it, like you said, it wasn't like nowadays where you know everything that's going on. I mean, you know, in the, those Pro Wrestling Illustrated, those magazines, we knew they were all full of BS. I mean, they'd have interviews of me on there that I've never talked to nobody. They'd just yeah. make up the, the whole complete interview. So you didn't really know what was what, but you knew the, who the Hulkster was. And, uh, you know, I didn't realize, you know, what a power he was. I, I, I think I told you the story before when I came up from mid South and I was, you know, I was a pretty strong talent there in mid South doing Superdome shows and stuff. And I did, uh, I remember exactly Indianapolis, Indiana, the old market square arena that they've tore down. And mm-hmm. I went out there, man. And I had that place rocking, man. That place was cooking with gas. We were whole in USA and, I came back through the curtain. I had a big grin on my face. I was like, yeah, that's what it's all about, brother. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ho- Hogan then? went out there and boom. <laughs> I'm like, oh, that's a little different. Yeah. <laughs> yeah that's that's a whole different kind of reaction. I mean, Hogan is Hogan. And, uh, I mean, he is a, a, a superstar. Yeah. But, but you knew you were aware that, that something was happening up, up north. Uh, with, yeah. with well, the yeah, WWF. That'd be, that'd and, and this is at the time also, folks, where, you know, uh, Vince was on his mission, uh, as, and we've told the story with his vision of syndication. And at this point in time, territories meant nothing to Vince Jr. I mean, to Vince McMahon, this was, uh, you know, the country, first of all, yeah. was, was and he gambled his territory. He, he, I guess, supposedly he mortgaged a lot of stuff and he yeah. put his life on the line financially to uh, to take this thing to, as big as it was. I mean, he, I think he saw the potential of wrestling globally, mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, and he took it that way. That's why it was uh, the WWF, you know, not Mid-South, not the Georgia Championship. It was world wrestling. Right. And he saw the, the way that, that he could, could spread his product was by uh, – syndication at the time yeah. you know we're talking stations of what they didn't go through networks there were a lot of independent stations and of course stations had part of the day where they could sell time on their station and when vince mcmahon first did this he was paying them to put his product on the air and his goal was to get to 100 stations and he felt at that point that would turn the tide and uh, we've talked about it that uh, he came short a few times, and then he had people step in and back him. But he got there, and it worked, and it started happening. Uh, at the same time, you've got Hulk Hogan doing what he was doing in the ring. He was doing his part. He was creating Hulkamania, and this was now wasn't just the territory. This wasn't the uh, northeastern part of the United States anymore. This is we're we're it's going all over the country. So. Uh, that is going on. And then, uh, and I was living in New York city at the time. Um, and I remember all this, this is when MTV was really starting to explode and the brilliance of hooking up with, you know, uh, uh, the rock and wrestling connection on MTV. I remember Hogan playing the guitar. It fit right in. Yeah. So it was, everybody else on that cover of that album was BS. Hogan's one of the few guys that really could play an instrument. Yeah. Exactly. And yeah, he, no, they yeah, had like a night heart on the trumpet or something. I'm like, come on. <laughs> <laughs> the trumpet. <laughs> hey, I'll hold this and act like you're playing it. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, I don't know if it was the brilliance of marketing. They sit down and, and say, we do this, we do this, we do that. Or it just came together as this beautiful storm because 
it was just swelling. And I remember the buzz in New York City about this with MTV and the rock and wrestling. And when Vince mortgaged the house for WrestleMania one, and you remember you telling the story about how all these other uh, territories, the guys had in those territories going, going, yeah, yeah, he's going to put on a big show and he's done. Popped his right? rod. That's it. One, yeah. one and done. They'll never follow it. Yeah. Uh, on March 31st, 1985, Madison Square Garden, uh, you know, attendance was 19,121, right? <laughs> but man, it was seen by over a million viewers at the time through closed circuit television. Closed circuit television. I had to go to this, right. uh, like, you had to go to a movie theater, theater yeah, to see it. And but there's a writing uh, was on the wall. You know, what an emotional roller coaster that must have been for McMahon. Like you said, though, trying to get the 100 TV stations and having all his money mortgaged out, laying it all on the line, mm-hmm. wondering what's going to and have so much dependent of a group of guys that aren't the most uh, dependable guys in the world. Uh, but it obviously worked out for him. And, you know, I'll tell you, Jim, and I have no, I, I have never had this conversation with Vince McMahon, but I bet if you asked him what was the best time, the most fun he had, the more, the most, uh, you know, uh, uh, invigorated. Uh, he would probably say that period of time, as he yeah, saw well, that sure. happen. That's when he was building it. I mean, and, that, and put so much online. I mean, he could have lost everything. Everything. I mean, yeah, yeah. he's got to be to be able to sit back and look and go, wow. And then, then the guys are workaholic too. Like I, I said, you know, he's one of, to to this day, you know, he's one of the first guys at the building. He's one of the last guys yeah. to leave. You think he can't work in one of the. You go down there and buy one of the Cayman Islands or something you know, yeah. and just live down there. But the guy, uh, he loves his work, and I, I think he'll be doing it to the end. Yeah, and uh, and we uh, we all remember vividly uh, Hulk Hogan, Mr. T, uh, against the Orndorff and, and Roddy, Roddy Piper. Piper, Piper, yeah. Piper God bless him, yeah. Mr. T. I mean, Cindy Lauper. Yeah, it was great. Captain Lou. Bano, uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. And it was, it was. It was entertainment for everybody. It yeah. wasn't, you know, it was I mean, it was just, age. It was, that's why we're talking about it, brother. It yeah. a, and it was the, the first one. I mean, the first ever, I, that been nice to be in that first one uh, ever, but uh, I came in at three. But, <laughs> but Jim, I have, I have to think though, the, the purists must have looked at this like, oh my God, what has wrestling become now? I mean, do, well, that's, that's in everything. Okay. I mean, even now people are saying, I can't stand the product from, you know, back 10 years ago. And then another guy come up, I can't stand the product from 20 years ago, you know, but things always change. It was always different. And, uh, that was, uh, just a, a special time in the business, but I think mo- most of the folks agree that was the, the golden age of the wrestling. Yeah. Uh, really, and it was, it exploded. Everybody was, I remember, you know, and being in New York City, everybody was talking about it. It was uh, well, the hottest ticket. I mean, this, and and c- celebrities of all walks of life uh, wanted to be a part of it and were into it and spread the word. Yeah. And uh, even you know, even now at, at, uh, at the TV shows, at WrestleMania, there's all kinds of movie stars, politicians, sports sports stars it's amazing the uh, appeal of wrestling across the, the spectrum yeah and uh as i mentioned all these things going on and then just exploding into mainstream and that's when you know uh saturday night's main event was shortly after that when and hogan actually you know hulk hogan defended his title uh against orton and that was 
you know, to be on uh, national television um, was just that, just that main event. You know, it, it holds, you know, say your prayers, take your vitamins. I mean, just the yeah. whole deal. Uh, yeah, it was a, a good message at that time. It sure was. Yep. Train, uh, train, saying your prayers and eating your vitamins, and it was just unbelievable. And I, I can't even imagine at that point in time, uh, after what he'd probably seen in Japan, the hysteria, but how Hulkamania, Hulkamania was just becoming uh, one of the hottest uh, entertainment properties in the world, I mean, especially in the United States. And that had was the repercussions of that uh, helped every one of the superstars that surrounded him all the way down the line. And, you and know, uh, I mean, he, even nowadays, I mean, well, just a couple of years ago, we were doing the Hogan and Friends uh, tour. Yeah. And it was, uh, we'd go around to different venues around the country. It was Hogan, myself, and the Nasty Boys, Beefcake, uh, Eric Bischoff, and uh, Coco Beware. So we 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 go to all these different venues, and we'd all sit there. And if you're a fan of all those guys, who are you going to ask a question to? Yeah, Hulkster, <laughs> so you're right. Poor Hogan, <laughs> he's sitting there doing all the work. Everybody's asking him, but we're sitting there having drinks. This yeah. is great, Hulkster. Yeah. Wonderful. Yeah, you passed the shrimp. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. For so we did about a, a dozen of those. They they dried up. Hogan's like, that's enough of that. Yeah, <laughs> he's carrying us all on his back. But you know, I, I did one of those with him in uh, New Mexico. We were flying out like about six o'clock in the morning. So we, you know, it was late night and everything. We finally got to the airport about five and we're, we're standing there and people again are like, it's Hulk Hogan. And they would all come yeah, around the right. guy and he's standing there with his bag. He's got his sunglasses on. And people wouldn't ask, but just circle around him and just start taking pictures. They sign this sign. And finally I said, Hey folks, you know, give the guy a break. Yeah. And Hulk's like, hey, or, you know, yeah. Like, I mean, you yeah. know, and Hulk was like, hey, yeah. it, it, Hulk was like, hey, it's okay, hacker. I mean, you know, it's all right. And I'm like, you know, we all work to get to that point to be that recognizable to yeah. be that big of a star. But yeah. I mean, to see, it, it's there's it comes with a price too. It, it's hard sometimes for the guy, and that's why when people say, well, I met so and so, he was such a jack off. Yeah. I'm like, well, did you know what was going on in that guy's day? You yeah. know, it might have been a bad day for him, too. I mean, too, yeah. don't judge folks on, on one meeting. But Hogan in general, I mean, he's, he's been a uh, he's been a good friend of mine for, for years. I had a gym in Florida, uh, Hacksaw Duggan's Muscle and Fitness. Catchy name, huh? Yeah, I like <laughs> but, it. But anyway, back in the day when we were all working, all the guys were working all the time, and you only had a few days off. On their days off, Hogan, Macho, Beefer and the Nasty Boys came over to Titusville from Tampa, about a two-hour drive, to open my gym for me. You know, something wow. I'll always read. You know, yeah, and, 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 and I know he still, still has a group. group. A gym opening. <laughs> yeah, and I know he still has a, shot, a real group. Yeah, was that a shot? That was a shot. <laughs> I'd never been in one. Yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> uh, been a while, but it, <laughs> yeah. But uh, who would have thought that you know, you know a year later? They have WrestleMania too, and folks, we're not going to go into every WrestleMania. The point of this is just to to uh, talk about how Hulkamania became this unbelievable phenomenon. But who would have thought that the next year they have WrestleMania two in three different locations uh, across the country uh, at the uh, the Memorial Coliseum in Uniondale, New York, the Rosemont Horizon, 
you know, Chicago, Rosemont, Illinois, and the Los Angeles Memorial Sports Arena, Los Angeles. That is just when I think about that, what uh, that must have been like to pull Logistic. off. First of all, hey, you oh know, imagine the poor production people. They're yeah, like, what? Oh. And way back then too. I mean, nowadays they, they got it down a little bit more. All the, yeah. uh, the, the electronic stuff. But back yeah. then, that was really a challenge. I would bet. But they didn't do that again. So they must have learned some valuable <laughs> what, lessons. What a done deal. Vince <laughs> is not afraid to try new things. And no, if it doesn't work. Keep on going. Yeah. yeah. And then, uh, you know, during the seven, and when was the first time that you met Hulk? Not until you came up or, or before then? So when I was big Jim back in the day. Right. And, when, uh, I mean, of course, when you did the enhancement matches, but I mean, were you actually, uh, did I talk to him? Yeah. Yeah. Even yeah, when or, I first Hogan was Hogan. Yeah. I, yeah. you know, me and Jake, uh, we would do our deal and go out and do our thing. That's like, I didn't really get to know Piper that well until legend house, because yeah. Yeah. You know, even though you're all in the same dressing room, you say hello to everybody everybody paired off with their own group and uh, did their own thing. And, uh, you know, Hogan and, uh, and Beefer, of course, uh, they were at a different level doing their yeah. own deal. It's like wow. nowadays, I mean, a lot of the, all the top guys have buses. I mean, they even got to be yeah. more isolated, you know, at least in the old days we drive together. Now everybody's got their own personal bus out there. Yeah. And a lot of them have their own rooms once they get in the arena too. Yeah, so, yeah, which I always thought was a penalty. Everybody else is playing cards, having fun, laughing. You're sitting in your own dressing room. I'm, I'm a big shot. Where's my chicken? Yeah, I, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Just yellow M&Ms. Yeah. <laughs> I don't I know. Said, I've never got my own dressing room. They put me in a broom closet once. But uh, <laughs> yeah. but uh, yeah, moving along to, to 87, though, and uh, this is still prior to my arrival in the WWF, but this is when – uh, you, you were in the house and, um, that it was just cooking. And then what could, uh, possibly, how do you outdo these other events? Well, you have uh, Hulk Hogan take on, uh, Andre the giant and, uh, one of the biggest venues ever. And, uh, it just is, uh, incredible that, uh, you know, Tell us about that first when, when you came up and, and you had to see Jim. I mean, like you say, you hear about it, you hear about it, but we didn't have the coverage. And I don't know if you got a chance to watch the, you know, the shows on the weekends or whatever, but how eye opening was that when you arrived and saw what was happening with the WWF? You know, even though we talked about how well mid South was doing down there to come up to New York, it was intimidating. I mean, yeah. just to do the Madison square garden. Nassau County Coliseum, you know, like Rosemont Horizon. I mean, this historic buildings and stuff like that. And of course, you know, just getting there in the old days, forget GPSs, you'd fly into a town, you'd get the rent a car map, try to find your way to an arena. I mean, it was, uh, it was intimidating to come up to the WWF, uh, but, uh, it felt good though. It was good to be, uh, in New York, you know, saying if I can make it there, I can make it anywhere. And, you know, you like I said, if you're going to come up to the WWF, you better have a little bit of a chip on your shoulder. You better have a little bit of confidence. If not, you're going to get eat up and spit out. Yeah. And that uh, event uh, just had to, for people who had been in the business for years and years, and you had been in packed houses before, you'd been in places where people blew off the roof. But you talked about being backstage when um, – 
Hulk Hogan was in the ring against Andre the Giant and the drama of will he let him body slam him? Uh, will it? Will, and then what happened there? Uh, I can't, th- that memory must be so vivid in your mind of that event. I know from what you did in the ring and what you did there, but also this match. Yeah. Well, I think I, I was just so excited, so pumped to be part of the show, you know, coming up and being a big part of the show, a relatively newcomer. I knew they were kind of pushing me hard, but I also knew, you know, that uh, nobody knew if Andre was going to go up for Hulkster or not. You know, the whole deal was for Hogan to slam Andre. And I don't think they knew till they were in the ring to Hogan actually went down to go up to get Andre to go up that Andre was going to go up for sure. I mean, the, the, the legend has it before they went through the curtain, Vince Hogan and Andre were standing there and the, um, Vince said, uh, Andre, you going to go up. All right, brother. And Andre, ah. <laughs> you know, yeah. then, uh, yeah, so nobody knew. So everybody's waiting to see, of course, uh, if Andre would go up. Even if yeah, he does go up, also... still what a powerhouse to get the man up. I mean, oh the guy God, helps, he gives you a boost. He gets, yeah. you know, that big, huge giant up in the air. I mean, Hogan was a powerful, strong man. But consider, Considering the size of Andre, even with help, that can't be, could not yeah, have been I mean, an easy task. And it was a great slam. It was a great slam. It was a great slam. Yeah. Are you kidding? I mean, it was a super slam. The slam, Andre the Giant. And, uh, you know, that just added to, to Hogan's mystique. Uh, you know, Hogan was the only man ever to slam Andre the Giant. Yeah. And uh, that is just about the time when, uh, you know, I arrived in 88. Uh, right when this was, uh, you know, the, the, the wave was still cresting. There was still, uh, so much going on and, uh, you know, Hulk, Hulk Hogan was, was the franchise Hulkamania was, and I've mentioned this before, you know, I, I've covered so many other, uh, professional sports, major league baseball, NBA, NFL. I've been in stadiums where there were, you know, a hundred thousand people cheering for huge events. I was at world series um, and I'll, t- I, I will tell you, honestly, I remember one of the first, uh, events that I was at where, uh, Hogan came out and I, that cr- crowd erupted. It went right through my chest. I just chills. I just had never seen human beings cheer another uh, one individual like that in my life. And it was just, I was just floored. I, n- I just couldn't believe it. And it was that that's the way it was wherever that guy went. That was it. And uh, I've said that, uh, you know, I was never close to Hulk. At that point, he was kind of out of the stratosphere. Uh, as you talk about, the fame is, uh, you know, it can, it's, it's tough. It really is tough when you've got that many people pulling at you and you can't go anywhere. Well, now and the poor guy, I mean, you know, we'll talk about him here nowadays. But, I mean, the, you talk to him, uh, he's like I got a target on his back. He's so aware of... He's worried about everybody taping him, everybody trying to get something from him. He's almost like paranoid now when you, you talk to him on the phone. and like, hey, Hulkster, it's me, brother. Yeah. You know, because that Bubba the Love Sponge, a good, good friend of him, turned on him. So, I mean, the guy is, uh, you know, and of course, Linda's wife left him. I mean, he's had a lot of personal challenges also. Yeah. And it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's a very jaded life of people like, who do you trust? And, and, uh, so I told you like the first time I met him and he told me not to, not to unpack, <laughs> like, so, and, but, uh, 
he was always great. I, you know, whenever we did interviews and I did have conversations with him, it's just, I, I was never close and I'm not going to sit in a chair here and say, you know, Oh yeah, because we just weren't, but, but he was never, we never had an incident. He was always great with interviews. I think he respected what I did. We, we, you know, we did how many hundreds yeah, of interviews together. together. Right. Yeah. 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 Together. But, but I, but I don't fault it. I think maybe if I would have been there earlier and before all this happened, it may have been different because Gene, you know, he was Gene's, you know, very close to Gene. And to this day, he's a different guy too. Is he, he's yes. involved as, as we all have. I mean, you know, he was yeah. kind of a dick, you know, a pain in the butt back in the day, you know, as we all probably were, but, uh, you know, he's changed now. And I, I think he's, he's at peace with his life now. I mean, he's happy at his daughter, Brooks doing well, Nick, you know, and that's, uh, he got so much heat over the deal with his boy got in the accident years ago. Yeah. Yeah. And crippled that other guy and the kid, uh, Nick, you know, it was a young guy. The kid was a screw up and the, and Nick is in jail and, and Hogan talks to him on the phone and the, the news media goes crazy. Hulk Hogan and Hogan's like, Hey, wait a minute. It's my son. Yeah. I'm not going to crap on my boy. Even though the boy screwed up and did all this horrible thing. Hogan stuck by his boy during this whole horrible thing and people blistered him for it and stay and say hey well there's a stand-up guy he's standing next to his kid even though his kid messed up the guy's doing i think which was the right thing to stand up and stand up for his boy even though his boy made the mistake i mean and then yeah. when the divorce went down nick ended up with linda and went against hogan so i mean yeah. it bit him on the butt but I, I guess it's all patched up now yeah i don't know if you've ever watched that documentary um I think it's finding Hulk Hogan or, but, but on A and E uh, and boy, I mean, he was very candid about that whole situation. And this is before, you know, the latest, uh, you know, the settlement and everything with Gawker and all this was before all that incident was made public, but it was during that period when, uh, you know, uh, after the divorce and all that. And yeah, uh, some, a lot of dark times there, but uh, at this point in time, and like I said, when I arrived there in 88 and, um, this is when, and, and this is what really stands out to me and will forever that because it was a period that I was working there was that was, I think that when Randy Savage and we talked about Randy Savage, but I think that, uh, Randy Savage played a huge role in, uh, continuing to, to keep that, that Hulkamania rolling. And I don't know if he gets enough credit for that. May, you know, maybe a lot of, uh, fans do, but. I think that was a huge component of that with, with that whole, the mega powers and the, and the, and the angle they ran between and Liz, Randy yeah. and Liz, uh, was awesome. I mean that, and we've talked before Jim about how you were able to develop these storylines. These one, this went on for, you know, a year. I mean, it was, uh, you know, that whole thing and, and different other longer, you know, with these, uh, different connections, but man, I mean, that was just, uh, an awesome run between those two. And I, and me, and you know, it doesn't happen all the time. Uh, when you even have two tremendous performers, these, right. yeah, these two was together just, was, it was great. It's a good, it was a good matchup. Like I said, it doesn't always have, no matter, you know, sometimes you can put two really good talents in there together. And they just don't mesh well. But yeah. that whole deal with the macho and, uh, and Hulkster and then throw Liz in the mix that, that even carried on backstage a little bit because Macho was so, you know, crazy about Liz, so possessive of Liz. I mean, when they did, uh, I think it was uh, SummerSlam or Survivor Series where they pulled Liz's skirt off. Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. 
Macho was so upset when they did the deal with uh, when uh, they pulled Liz's skirt off at, at that show. He had a fit over that. I mean, he was uh, so possessive of Liz. The uh, angle, you know, like it was close to home, was true to life. Yeah, it was there. <laughs> yeah, and and but really though, it was uh, it was just awesome though. I I mean, and, and like I said, I'm probably a little jaded here because I was I got to be somewhat a part of it and the whole thing and the, the way it went down, but. Uh, th- those were, uh, just unbelievable years. It was, and it was good for everybody. And I, I recall, uh, an early lesson I learned on before, uh, early on when I got there about the, the respect the boys have for each other It was an old school. And I remember we'd go and do the Boston show and we do the garden uh, in New York. And, um, when the guys would come into the room, into the locker room, everybody would be sitting around and you would go to every single guy and shake their hand. The significance of that is, you know, not only the respect, but how appreciative you are because this guy's helping you put food on the table. And those house shows, which is what you guys at the time made your, was your hay. Uh, Red was, butter, yeah. and, and when Hulk Hogan was on that card, you guys were going to make some money. Yeah, Hogan, that was the A-team, you know, because remember, they had uh, a lot of times they were running three towns a night, A, B, and C. And uh, if you wanted to be on that, uh, it'd be better to be down the card and be on the A-team than uh, be semi-main on the C-team. You'd make more bread. So yeah. uh, you always wanted to be with uh, wherever Hulkster was. Yeah, and he did. And, he, and that's another reason that I credit with him for what he did. For professional wrestling during that period of time, he made a lot of people a lot of money. Uh, a lot of those superstars that were uh, gifted yeah, enough of course, to, make, to be it, on yeah, those rosters. And, and yeah. the guys that worked with them, I mean, uh, that's what, you know, being a babyface, you missed out working at top angle with Hulkster. I mean, big boss man and, and Kamala and guys like that that got a chance to work with, uh, with uh, Hogan on top. I mean, that's where they they made the big money. I mean, imagine doing Hogan at a, a Mania or another big pay-per-view. I mean, that's where the, the big payoffs were. Yeah. But that, that that really stands out to me, that period of time. But then you, this is about, and then around, we're talking to WrestleMania 6 and, uh, you know, uh, 1990, um, you know, we saw the, the, the Ultimate Warrior really start to uh, explode on the scene. And, um, I don't know. remember thinking back then, is this the next guy? Uh, did you think that Jim, that he was, uh, hope they were hoping that he would be the next Hulk Hogan, uh, that that wave was starting to, uh, settle. Well, I think it, they're always looking for the next big thing, you know, and, uh, I, but I, I think it'd be, it's going to be, I don't know if the warrior or anybody else could really fill uh, Hogan's shoes, you know, I mean, uh, Hulkster, Hulkster was Hulkster, and, but you know, also the big business is bigger than anyone. I remember them saying, you know, the, there'll never be another Bruno San Martino and boom, there was a Hulkster. There'll never be another Hulkster. Boom. There was a rock. There'll never yeah. be another rock. Right. Boom. There's John Cena. I mean, the business is bigger than any one talent. But in, in my humble opinion, uh, Hogan is the guy. I mean, he's the uh, he's the pinnacle of wrestling. Yeah, and you know, about this time, this is when the Warrior came on the scene, and uh, Vince was look. I mean, uh, Hulk was looking for you know becoming what we've seen a lot of these other stars, The Rock, or whatever. He saw Hollywood, and he wanted to be uh, part of that. And that's remember, No Holds Barred came out, and that was a 
a WWF movie. <laughs> Production with Big Zeus, uh, Big yeah. Tiny. Tom, Tom, Tiny Lister. Yeah, Zeus. Uh, I remember we got, we saw the premiere <laughs> and, uh, you know, it's not, it's not uh, going to be on my top 10. Uh, I don't know for about you, Jim, but. Well, I don't know if you've seen that pro wrestlers <laughs> versus zombies too. I mean, to be, well, yeah, part of the film you can't be a movie yeah. critic and like wrestling stuff. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. But, uh, I, I, this is, and then when warrior, uh, you know, won the first title and, um, you know, Hulk would be still huge. He would have feuds with Earthquake and, uh, you know, the Royal Rumbles that he won. And then he, then we had the big run with Sergeant Slaughter, WrestleMania 7. And we, you know, there's always the United States, you know, the, the flag that he, you right. know, against Sergeant Slaughter. That was a great run. Uh, but this is when it started to me, it started to uh, crash. I mean, it started to, you know, fall. It, it was, um, we're talking into the nineties. There was all the rumors about the steroids. Uh, Hulk would end up testifying. And, um, and I always remember that appearance on Arsenio hall. And that I thought hurt him tremendously. Um, when, when it, uh, you know, kind of came out. And so I think when I think back and, and, I, I don't know if that would ever could ever be recreated again. Maybe because it was it, it took wrestling to unbelievable heights for one thing, and no one could have ever imagined it would get that big. Uh, you've talked about before, just uh, you know, being at these events and traveling and the buses and the uh, the police escorts, and not being able to go anywhere and as big as movie stars anywhere. And you partied with movie stars, and they wanted to be near you guys, and it was just—it was incredible. Yeah, it was, you got to be a it part was of the good it. old days, you know. It, we joke about it. Uh, Jake and I were joking about it uh, this past weekend. It was—it was a a great time to be in the business, uh, and we were lucky lucky to be there. And and as I said many times, it's it's humbling to do these like comic cons and autograph sessions where these people, God bless them. They remember they were young kids and they're like, they're eight years old again. They come up to see you and they're like, Oh, I grew up with you hacksaw. Yeah. Or they bring their young kid up. I used to watch this guy when I was your age. I mean, and, and people just remember that era and uh, we're so lucky to be part of it. Yeah. And when, uh, he went down to uh, the WCW, and there is, you know, uh, many stories that he was lured there by Bischoff, and uh, I, I don't think that it was anything to do with the case. I think that, uh, you know, with all of what was going on with the trial, I think that, uh, you know, uh, Vince wanted him out of there to let things cool down. I don't think he ever thought he would really be out of the WWF. I don't know, but. Um, well, I'm when sure he they, left they there, paid him a boatload of money to get him down there at WCW. Yeah, I think I think they seized an opportunity. And it was what yeah. they really did, and that was a good opportunity for him. Yeah, for Hogan, for Hogan. I mean, obviously, it was a good opportunity for a lot of us that made the move down to WCW. And yeah. it was a good the whole deal for a good thing for wrestling because that started the whole uh, the contract deal. Yeah. And I and I think during that you know that period of time and the. Uh, he did very well down there. And then the, all, everything with the NWO. And as you talked about how he saw an opportunity and he ran with it. And, 
we saw what they did, but it was, it, it was never the same. It was, as I said, we, we talked about before with Randy, there was a point where it just turned for me and I knew that it was never going to be the same again. No, and, but that's um, also started the, the Monday night wars, which was a whole yeah. other time in the business, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And, well, and exactly. And I'm, sh and, uh, Hulk Hogan, Hollywood Hogan, uh, played a big role in that. But to me, the golden, I think a lot of people, when they think about the eighties and the nineties there, man, was that a, was that a, just an unbelievable time. And, uh, just a few of the things, you know, that, uh, Hulk Hogan was named the most requested celebrity of the 1980s for the make a wish foundation. We're talking yeah. anybody, anybody. Yeah. I bet, you know, but also I bet now, like, but this year it's probably John Cena. I mean, wrestlers yeah. do probably oh, and, make a wish stuff than anybody. Right. But I'm just saying, imagine that though, back then, uh, you're talking all these, uh, other athletes, other well, celebrities. I think, one, I think he's one of the most recognizable people in the world. You can put yeah. a picture up of Hulk Hogan pretty much anywhere in the world and they're going to know who he is, which is yeah. crazy. Well, and you, you think know? about that time too. Uh, he was on the covers of, of sports illustrated TV guide, uh, people magazine, uh, he was on just the night show. Yeah. yeah. And, 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 and was, the cartoon, remember the cartoon? Of course, yeah, yeah. And he was on many covers of magazines all around the world, French magazines over in Great Britain, of course, all through Japan. I mean, yeah. Were you Hulk one of the characters Hulk. on the, were you on the, one of the characters? No, they, they, I didn't make the, Hillbilly made it. A lot of folks Hillbilly. got me mixed up with Hillbilly. So I said, yeah. oh yeah, that's me. Yeah. Oh, so he's still getting those checks? <laughs> yeah, I, I guess. I don't know. Somebody <laughs> is, I guess. Yeah. But you know, uh, uh, that's that's one thing. Uh, since we're good, probably getting towards the end of the deal with yes. with Hulkster, that they took him out of the WWE Hall of Fame. Uh, yeah, how in the world can anybody do that for anything? Not to mention the minor little stuff that they took him out for. I mean, you know, supposedly they taped it at home where he was used the N word and some other derogatory stuff. I'm like, I hope they never tape me at home. Jeez, brother. <laughs> I'm like blazing saddles. I blast everybody. Yeah. Well, um, yeah, it is amazing. And then it, it's also incredible that there's a, a program on the WWE network that where they uh, run down the top 50 uh, impactful wrestlers in history. Uh -huh. And Hulk is like 20 something. And it's like, <laughs> I, I watched that. I'm like, are you kidding me? I mean, really? How can you? How can you even uh, yeah. say that? Because well, to me, and well, they always say what Mount Rushmore or whatever. I mean, they're the the first. Uh, I, I, look, old school. They're the people that uh, you know blaze the trail. But nobody, no one. There is not one single person that, in my mind, that did more. And and Vince McMahon did his part with the the brilliant uh, promotion. And the syndication of these programs and the connection with MTV, but it was Hulk Hogan who was pulling that train when he stepped into the ring. And if you didn't have yeah. that product, it didn't matter what you were spreading across the country. Right. Yeah, it was a perfect storm. I mean, you had McMahon, and like you said, you had uh, Hogan was a locomotive. And you had a good train of guys. I mean, you had a great roster, but you had the right guy leading the deal and uh, leading the charge. And of course, uh, Vince with his. Uh, visionary idea of professional wrestling. I mean, it was a perfect storm of talent and that's why it's the, the powerhouse it is nowadays. Yeah.
But you can't forget, uh, you know, on whose back. Um, God, yeah, I can't so, see the can. No. I mean, you have him as one of the 20, 20th uh, most impact wrestlers are not in the WWE Hall of Fame. It's it's a miscarriage of justice, and and hopefully one day they'll they'll change it. I don't know, you know, what kind of heat is between him and Vince or or whatever else, but uh, Hogan, if anything, definitely deserves to be in the Hall of Fame. Yeah, I I totally agree with you, Jim, on that. And uh, and to me, it should be. Uh, it's, he he is the person that really, uh, when you look back, and uh, it, they would it would not be what it is today by any stretch of the imagination. And with, with that, Jim, and and I really, uh, you know, <laughs> have enjoyed this conversation because to me that was uh, the best of times in the WWF. Yeah, as we said, uh, Hogan's Hogan. Because of all the personal things that happened outside, what uh, you know, uh, what happened during that period of time, and and what uh, you know, he brought into the ring for for people, and it's just incredible. Well, folks, uh, we want to thank you for once again tuning in, uh, Jim. You know, we still have T-shirts online for sale. I can imagine uh, we do. <laughs> WrestlingTees.com. There's some awesome T-shirts there, folks. I wish you'd check them out. Uh, all you have to do is uh, type in there, Primetime with Hacksaw, Jim Duggan, and Sean Mooney. It'll take you right there to the page. Uh, there's what was, uh, was that a shot? There's also uh, Sean Mooney who, uh, <clears throat> okay. Uh, we've got the <laughs> Primetime logo, which I love that T-shirt. And uh, uh, there's uh, some, just check them out, okay? There's some good ones there. We hope you'll just check them out. Please. Um, you can uh, get in touch with us at uh, official hacksaw on Twitter, and uh, also me. You can reach at uh, at Sean Mooney. Who we'd love to get your emails. Oh, of course, there's at um, primetime MLW. That's the official Twitter account, and uh, email us. We'd love to hear from you on email. You can reach us uh, at primetime at MLW.com. Primetime at MLW.com. And we are going to be giving more DVDs away. I'm going to keep them, but uh, we, we have our two winners. They've got their DVDs on the way to them. So um, keep those reviews coming. And I still have the bowl with all the names in there that will draw them out. Um, what do you got coming? You're so darn busy, uh, Hacksaw, trying to keep up with you. Uh, you. You mentioned at the top of the show, but I know you've got stuff coming up. Tell, uh, tell the folks where they can find you. Well, uh, this, this uh, coming weekend, of course, is going to be that uh... – the great big Comic-Con up in Marble, Massachusetts, with all the uh, Mick Foley demolition, the Lee Majors and, and people like that. But then the following weekend, I'm going to be in Oklahoma City for the Wizard World Comic-Con. But on the uh, Saturday, the 28th, I'm going to be doing my stand-up show at uh, the Comedy Club in Oklahoma City. So uh, two, week, uh, two, two weekends from now, it's going to be a, a big time in Oak, Oak City for me. All right, folks, that's where you can uh, actually meet Hacksaw in person. We've got uh, lots more on the way. We hope you'll keep tuning in. We want to thank our producer, Casey Drumbeck, for all he's uh, done to help us out. And he's Hacksaw, taking a nap now. Casey, yeah. you still awake? Yeah, he's still with us, I'm sure. All right, <laughs> all right, Hacksaw, great chatting with you once again. Well, Sean, always nice to talk to you, my friend. It's, it's good. I hope the fans enjoy us uh, visiting together, and we're having fun. Oh, see you next week. Prime time with Mooney and Duggan, tough guy.
stops. Over 460 million people around the world have disabling hearing loss. Starkey Hearing Foundation provides hearing aids and hearing-related healthcare to millions of patients in over 100 countries. But they need your support to continue helping those in need. Give the gift of hearing by donating to the Listen In campaign. Go to listenincampaign.org to donate today. That's L-I-S-T-E-N-I-N-C-A-M-P-A-I-G-N dot O-R-G.